friends, welcome to episode 146 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I, I am trying to, uh... Wow, my phone just went nuts, because I had Mixler coming up, and it was now being stupid on me. Oh, that was... Is that mine that's, or yours? That's mine, unfortunately, oh, okay. so... Give me a second here. On, I can't hear it. I'm going to... Try and see if I can do this without it ha- echoing into you guys right now. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> technical difficulties aside, uh, thank you for joining us for one hundred episode one hundred and forty-six. Uh, uh, news for us from a role-playing standpoint. You want to just kill them? I'm working on it. It's du- I'm getting the double echo. I'm sorry, folks. Hang on okay. a second. Anyhow, uh, any, uh, 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 gaming note. We had, uh, Mouse Guard last weekend. Uh, Mouse Guard, uh, we had the, the winter session of Mouse Guard, and, uh, winter session kind of goes a little bit differently than the, uh, normal everyday sessions. It's kind of a, um, camp down, um, you play in the same location, uh, and do, like, some maintenance, some, uh, character upgrades and whatnot, and such like that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So a big shout out to uh, the Mad Elf, who oftentimes sends in uh, uh, questions for us for they're telling an amazing story. We got the first year of that campaign done. Yes, yes. I'm sorry about that. Yes, it was pretty amazing. I love how everything worked out with that. One of my favorite parts is always that we do have like a player session, and this kind of felt like an extended player session. Yeah, with a, just a little bit of guidance to it, and it and it was funny because it was like. The mechanics of Mouse Guard, of what you have to do during the winter session, like a procedural thing. Like, imagine if leveling up in D&D was a was game, a game session. session. Yeah. And it was really fun, honestly. It was it very was, cool. It was, it was nice to move through it in the way that we did. But the game is exceptionally narrative, so it just fit. Mm-hmm. It felt natural, mm-hmm. so. Uh, we're also going to have a new player joining our our, uh, our game. We we do we do uh, so a big shout out to uh, to Wendy yes I, um, I I hope she I, I'm sure she will fit in just fine she's had some terrible gaming experiences which has kept her from doing gaming and uh, we we she she's been very ginger about stepping back into the gaming light but I'm um, I'm really hoping this is gonna be a good yeah. experience for her very much um, so I I always hate hearing those stories about like oh I played one time and it was such a crappy experience that I ca- I can't do it anymore you know. Yeah. Uh, so just just breaks my heart, and I absolutely, absolutely, really just hope beyond hope that that Wendy has a great time with us. Um, my game's coming up next weekend. Yes, or this this upcoming this upcoming yes. weekend. Yes. Yeah, yeah, in like three days or whatever. Yep, yep. Uh, so I'm working on last minute game prep. Uh, got a got a last minute mini painted for you guys. Yep. Um, cramming the rules like they're like it's finals week. <laughs> but again, it's suede. Yeah, it's suede, but there's there's some. There's some rules we haven't dabbled in yet mm-hmm. um, that I want to make sure that I have more or less down so that I can yeah. officiate them with some sort of confidence. So yeah, um, but so I'm super excited about that. It seemed like everybody else was super excited about that too. So um. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll get to the show topic. Her, our live chat is asking. So tonight's show topic is we're talking about uh, violence and stories, or, or grit and violence and stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's funny because uh, a lot of the games that we play are already very violent. Yeah. Like, at, but on just kind of a base level, mm-hmm. right? Like, you look, <laughs> crack open any role-playing game, and probably the thickest chapter in there is the combat chapter. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. In most games, and I think I was thinking back, and I'm like, I think Apelion, a dragon story, yeah, was the only game that did not have like a robust combat system. To not it. at all. Not at all. So, and it's and even games that uh reference combat on a lighter scale like powered by the apocalypse games where it's a move it's not descriptive like yeah, it's not yeah. giving you individual tactics Lash or things out like that physically is yeah like yeah or you know give it all kind of a thing mm-hmm. you know those types of things where you're using terms versus actual actions or approaches um it's uh or combat approaches it's um it, it's still a portion it's still there mm-hmm. kind of directing it because Ever since the beginning of tabletop role playing, that has been the key action. That's, yeah, it's how, what defines what you're doing. It kind of started as a war game, mm-hmm. and and then moved into role playing after that. Yep, you know. Yep. Uh, so it's it's we got kind of thinking, and it's like we we talk about how to use mystery as a as a, mm-hmm. as a dramatic tool, and how to use romance as a dramatic tool, and yep. but then there's this ever present violence. Yeah. How do you use violence yeah. as a dramatic tool? What sort of nuance can you add to it? And what do you do – is there a way to, to have a, a sort of violent and gritty game that, that expresses more of a, a horror aspect, mm-hmm. a maybe a, a deep survival aspect, you know, yeah. that – that is that is compelling and fun to play that isn't just revolting. Exactly. I mean, and we kind of came at this at the angle of, like, are we talking about grit as something that goes with violence or separated? How do they go hand in hand? Because they often do. Yeah, yeah, they, they often do. Um, and I, I think it's, it's kind of a, a cause and effect thing. I think grit begets violence. You can have heroic violence, but I think grit opens the door a lot more to it. Well, I think it changes the tone, definitely. It, it changes the tone a lot more. So let's talk quickly about definitions here. Sure, well, we, at we least al- for this show. Yeah. We always we always open with, with, with definitions of the things we're talking about. So what do we mean by violence? Because mm-hmm. violence is a it's a pretty it's a pretty pointed word. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about violence here, we're talking about it as a narrative uh, thing. It's there's violence as an act, mm-hmm. okay, a thing that happens that is violent, okay? Mm-hmm. Someone gets harmed, someone gets killed. Um, like, there's a difference in, so, like, killing in combat is violent, but, like, there's a distinct tonal difference between that and, like, murdering somebody. Yeah, um, 7C does an interesting job of talking about duels and mm-hmm. bloodshed and you know, killing is not something you do in a duel. That is that is a very specific thing, and it is outlawed because gentlemen don't duel to the death. Yeah. And pistols aren't allowed because of how dangerous they are, but when they are allowed, it is to first blood regardless of what happens. And, you know, so when you start moving into these moments where, you know, even if you're fighting thugs, you know, you're you're fighting the rumpties of, of, the, uh, of the, the henchmen or even the villain, mm-hmm. you know, you're not killing them. You're knocking them out. You're, you're doing, you're tagging them, cutting them slightly, basically wounding them in such a way that they don't want to continue. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's left off. So it's, 
it's not a violent act. It is to a degree. It's definitely harmful sure, sure. combat. It's, it's it's violence, but it's not like violence. Right. You and know? and the way that I I saw a, it's a not good carnage. Yeah. I, in in the case of combat, you know, when you're watching a movie and you see a, a battlefield, you know, where people are fighting each other and then it moves on from there. Versus, you know, and, and you see guards coming back and they're injured and things like that. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that's, I know the flavor of this. Versus you see a battlefield and you see people literally walking around with spears stabbing the wounded on the ground. Yeah. To yeah. make sure they're dead well after the battle is over. They've yeah. won, clearly. And now they're literally just walking around murdering people. Mm-hmm. There's a tone change. <laughs> oh, there absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> like that is, that is a tonal shift to this is violence. And I'm I'm glad you brought up a, a wartime setting like that too because I think that's that's another kind of narrative angle to violence and that is violence as a state of being. Um, so take really any like wartime story. I'm sure all of us have seen at least one, um, you know, Band of Brothers or uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan that take place during World War Two. Um, and there, I mean, even if it even if the it, it, the, the story does not touch on the events of World War Two. You still have violence as a state of being. It's a backdrop to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that everybody's got that little bit of trauma behind their eyes. Um, everybody knows someone who's lost someone in the war. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole lives have been disrupted because of the fear and 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 uh, and violence and upheaval and stuff like that. And so, even if you never see a single bomb drop or, or a single gun be shot, you still have violence. Uh, interacting with the story in a very significant way and changing the whole tone of it. Yeah. Um, and it's in that sense as well, we also then have grit, which uh, when we're talking about grit, we're talking about a step towards reality. Uh, the I'm going to screw it up again. Vermicillitude. Verisimilitude. I get close, but I'm never great with it. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're breaking that down even closer to reality where heroics is starting to step out. And, and I use the term heroics in the, in the hero ask, um, act, not so much that, uh, you have, uh, you know, um, people who are doing great things or noble things or stuff like that, you know, saving someone, but there is less of that. You know, you, you see that Everything has a consequence. You know, there's a guy who's fallen out in a road who's being pinned down and you go to get him. It is way more dangerous. And therefore, that act of doing that and seeing that becomes excessively heroic. Yeah. You know, Um, there it doesn't mean that there's not magic and it doesn't. It just means that the characters that you're witnessing within that are fragile. Yes. They are they are breakable. They will fold. They're 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 no. And this is what kind of what we mean by no less heroics is they're no greater than your average Joe. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just a dude. Yeah, and they have the same. They don't have plot armor. They're nope. not. They're nobody special. They're not a hero class. They're not seventeenth level or you know whatever. They're just bullet spongy whatever. Nope. Yeah, not sting happening. Them, sting them with a bee. They hurt. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. It kind of begs to ask the question, why? Yeah, like, (laughs) and and this was this was I think kind of the big thing. Like both of both you and I, I think, had a little trouble approaching this topic when we got when we sat down to actually write the sheet. Mm -hmm. At least at least I did because it was like we realized very quickly that when we're like, let's talk about violent and gritty stories. It's like 
neither of us run violent or gritty stories. I mean, we have violence, but we don't have it in the sense that we're discussing here. Right, right. I think both of us have a limit where we're like, I don't want to experience that. You know, the world is grim enough Mm -hmm. already that Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of stuff we can just kind of gloss over. I want to feel like the hero. I don't want to feel like the, I want to feel like the predator, not the prey. Right. Or, or that you're making a difference and turning the light level up a little bit you know the hope level in the world up a little bit and i think that's the thing that we're talking about is that um when you're doing something with either grit or violence within that includes it you're talking about setting setting expectations setting the stakes setting the tone of the whole story um when you start when you start an adventure with something tragic and that tragedy is something that's palpable that you you set the tone to the piece of is this piece going to be hopeful? Are we coming up out of the dirt mm-hmm. and the dust of of a destructive event, or are we pressing ourselves into it? Is now gonna is now the change? Meaning the you know maybe the characters have gotten so far they've you know they've acquired something and then something terrible happens. The bomb goes off. Yeah, and now the world is a very different place. Yeah, now you're you're fighting a different transition. We talk about division all the time. Division starts with a heavy tone. Oh, it really does. Yeah, you know the world is already in a terrible state. It's in chaos and and it's falling to pieces. For for those not familiar, uh, the, the the game The Division by Ubisoft, um, uh, it takes place in a world where somebody has created a, a genetically engineered um, vi- smallpox virus, basically mm-hmm. called the Green Poison, and on Black Friday, spreads it onto a bunch of dollar bills, and it was, so they call it the Dollar Flu, mm-hmm. and uh, goes around New York City and just spends a bunch of money mm-hmm. and gets a lot of people to touch those dollars and by Christmas. Uh, it's like spread across. 90% of New York City is dead. Yeah, and it's starting to spread across the country, and yeah. they, they finally figure out what caused it, so banks are shut down. You know, ev- everything is starting to close and fall apart. It's, it's post-apocalyptic, honestly. Yeah. It spreads to D.C. Yeah. It spreads all along the coast. I mean, just like you'd think it would. The whole the whole government falls apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. Just It's, it's mm-hmm. a post-apocalyptic story, basically. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it starts out very, very – like, that's – that's not even that's not even the first events of the story. That's literally the or, or of of the game. That's literally the the, the prologue. Yeah, it's the prologue. That's the opening crawl of the game. Yeah, I mean Fallout does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Puts you right in it, but it it gives you the stages of what oh, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a hard move right at the beginning. War of, never changes. That's right. And what, what I it's stories like that where um where you have a a relatively light moment, but has this overtone of that something terrible is about to happen and then suddenly there's a hard move that takes you into that darkness yeah yeah. and now you're there um so this is where we're talking about having a dark shadow means that you can have brighter moments you know now you can have joyful moments and victories are palpable exactly you know and they're proportional to a threat that may not seem on its surface if you planted into another scenario all that bad but it's like a couple of dogs come across your characters mm-hmm. that are vicious and you have to fight them off and you're like well that doesn't seem like a big deal in D&D normally it is except for you don't have any weapons mm-hmm. you're, you're level one characters with barely any skill and you have to fight off rabid dogs 
the uh, you know the, now, the one now that it's I different. was one that I was keep coming to yeah. is uh, when I was playing Skyrim. Oh with, yeah, uh, with all the, the the realism mods in it and stuff of like that, yep. and just trying to make it from uh, Winterhold to Windhelm mm-hmm. um, in a snowstorm without dying, without dying from the frost. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like an interesting thing, you know, trying to walk from point A to point B. But like when you have to use all of your resources and all of your wits, and you know, you, you, you get attacked by a pack of wolves, which would ordinarily be a couple swings of your sword and a spell, and you're done, and you move right on like it never happened. Uh, when suddenly you're looking at that going, I can't afford to fight them because I can't, if I stay out in this, in this weather any longer, I'm going to freeze to death. They represent stalling me long enough that exposure will set in, you know? <laughs> um, and then it start. That's when it starts to be, you know, really exciting for you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's it it's another reason why, like, I get the same sort of excitement out of Dark Souls. Yeah, you know, is when the threat is real, the the victory of overcoming that threat is also very real mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. feels amazing. Yeah, it it's a change of scope. Mm-hmm. Really, is what it is. No different than Mouse Guard changes scope. Yeah, just done to a different light it doesn't have to be post-apocalyptic for it to be gritty it doesn't it scarcity is is no, something that exists in any world and it doesn't so you know in D D, you can have scarcity you can have limited resources without it being tragic mm-hmm. you know so the thing is is grit can occur without it being a horrific violent situation but it doesn't mean that it won't feel dangerous because it can very easily feel dangerous i've talked to a couple of different people online about uh, games that they've ran for several years where their players don't give a get above level five Mm -hmm. they just level once per year yeah you know and the game is incredible because it's you're eking by it's feels real yeah yeah absolutely you know absolutely um and and in that it's it's you can definitely set a different feel for everyone and it, again that that challenge feels better when you succeed i had a D game back in the day when it was a uh, third edition um and you remember in the third edition dungeon master's guide they had uh npc classes yes it was like uh adept and like fighter they weren't warrior they were fighter you know or whatever yeah. whatever the other one was you know yep, yep. uh and mage or something like that mm-hmm. um so I started all of my characters out as as um, NPC classes. Okay. Uh, and they had like six hit points. Yeah. And um, I got them involved in this little mystery. Um, there was like basically a necromancer that was working in the city and was killing off criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, and animating them and using them to kill other criminals and stuff like that. And the police were kind of turning a blind eye because – I mean, yeah, sure, he's a necromancer, but, like, he's kind of doing our job for us. Crime rate's never been better in the city, you know? So let's not work too hard at catching him, you know? Right. But then, of course, that line of, like, who's a criminal and who's not starts getting drawn a little shorter and a little Mm -hmm. shorter Mm -hmm. and starts realizing that maybe letting a necromancer run rampant in your city is not the greatest idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our little little detective gumshoes with their six hit points Mm -hmm. got involved. And, like, I forgot... For like a hot second that that's, you know, the power level we were dealing with. And uh, so they, they stumbled upon one of his little one of his little safe houses and like a zombie hit one of my characters once. And killed them. 
No, but it was enough to make him go, that was two-thirds of my hit points on that D4 damage. And I went, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they were like, retreat, retreat, you know, from from a single, like, challenge rating one-eighth zombie, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, it changed the tone. It really, really changed the tone. Yeah. When suddenly you're that fragile, when you're not a, when you're not a, a, a bullet sponge, a, a big bucket of hit points to yeah. throw at things. You and know? I, I think the other aspect that I saw was somebody had taken people, they had created their characters, their classes and everything. Uh-huh. He then started them off in a lab. They all had some they'd all been captured in different places okay you know uh related to their backstories uh and wake up in a lab feeling odd not comfortable like like their bodies are sick and they're in these cages and there's this mad scientist who's getting his butt kicked by some other adventurers Mm -hmm. and they're just left there after this guy gets taken out and they leave and so they have to escape Right. Well, they quickly figure out that they've all been transferred into creatures, monsters, their minds. So they're all different CR rating less than one monsters. (laughs) So so it's the video for uh, for Where's Your Head At by Basement Jacks. Yeah, kind of. And so they can't really communicate except for one of them who is a druid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they all have their skills. But they don't have their abilities, they don't have their armor, they don't have their weapons. But they find some of that stuff, and now they have to go find these adventurers mm. who took this scientist who had been doing experience to try and figure out how to get their bodies back. And oh, now, that's the whole first adventure of, like, and then why did he do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, figured all that out. And so, but they're monsters. Mm-hmm. So, the you know, they can't just walk into a tavern and, and do stuff. They have to figure their way through things. And there's also, there's also a lot of, like, body horror going on there. Like, mm-hmm. the, 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 the trans woman in me who, mm-hmm. who, like, experiences body dysphoria, you know, yep. is just thinking about that going like, oh, in the wrong body and feel like a monster, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, okay. That's, yep. that, that feels, yep. that feels familiar. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, again, that takes that and it puts a little bit of the realism on its head, but it actually adds a lot of grit and yeah. horror and violence. You know, when, you know, they're, go- they're staying in a barn and that farmer comes out with a pitchfork. Yeah. You know, and then finds them. The whole world is instantly set right. against you. And you know, so, yeah. Seals them in the barn because he's going to go get the guard to get rid of them. Right, right. You know, kind of a thing. So it, it helps set a tone mm-hmm. and a feel and and sets a, a perspective on the world i think um so that your 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 uh, your lens that you're viewing things this with this new kind of feel suddenly now changes perspective and i think that's one of the keys that grit and violence does is that it quickly throws that optic in front of you oh yeah yeah, yeah. sometimes staring at you as a mirror but other times it's this is the world mm-hmm. so i mean the 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 good question that's the thing we talk about all the time is getting this to the table how do you you know where do we get consent yeah exactly. like what is because exactly. consent is the key you're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna just drop this on your, on your group and just be like, hey, by the way, uh, this guy gets eviscerated in front of you and start describing it, you know. And no, I, like, uh, 
you, you kind of got to know what you're expecting as you're going into something. Yeah. And, and shows do this all the time. They don't usually just open with rampant, you know, uh, disregard for gore and things unless they're a, yeah. you know, grindhouse and you know what you're getting into. This show depicts, uh, depicts, uh, gra- scenes of graphic violence. The viewer discretion is advised. The difference is you don't get to tell your table. You need to negotiate that. Yeah. It's a combined story. And I think that's one of the things that I read as a biggest failure among storytellers out there where they're like, well, my players, you know, I, I brought in this kind of stuff and they just don't seem to like it. I keep losing players. And they're like, did you ever ask them if they wanted this level of gore? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to tell a story and like, right. But is it the story they want to hear? Right, are you cramming it down their throat? <laughs> like, yeah. Eat the, eat the story regardless of how it tastes. Like, you know, storytelling is, is in a sense, though it, though it is an interactive media, it's in, a, in very much in a sense like watching Netflix, you know? Yeah. Or like watching anything on YouTube. If you're, if it's not something you want to experience, you change the channel. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you press stop and you move to something different and, it's no different than that. If you're telling me a story I don't want to be a part of, I'm going to move to a different table. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and it's I, – I look at it as the, the – the one that got me was a, a storyteller was trying to tell a story that was um, dark space opera. Okay. And I was like, okay. And, and he was explaining out everything, and everybody was just like, so your players expected this to be like dark Star Wars from your description that you put up there. And you ran Warhammer 40k or Aliens. Like, that's very... I mean, but he's like, but that's dark opera. And like, but you didn't say that. You didn't say that, you know, power armor dudes are going to show up with chain swords. Yeah. You know, and then you're going to describe in great detail how as they come out in their blood-soaked armor with skulls mounted to their shoulders and their chain swords ripping and screaming blood for the blood god like opera to that me. does not that... feel like opera at all that feels like <laughs> space horror exactly yeah. and so he was just like oh no 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 it's just it's just gore you know and it's no that's not you're that's a differently a different it's a feel whole different tone yeah. so you drop the ball in that and so it's it's always like if you need to put it in, like if this is not a th- if this is not the theme of your story, but mm-hmm. it is a theme of a section, maybe an adventure, maybe a specific event that's going on, you want to kind of preface it to people. You yeah. want to make sure that, like, hey, you don't have to tell them what the events are about to be, uh-huh. but you can say, like you did, hey, how do you guys feel about kids being involved in combat? Mm-hmm. And we're all like, you know, I, th- I think if it's if it's important for the story. Mm-hmm. I think we can get around that psychologically, you yeah. know, depending on what he, but like acts of violence against them. Can you kind of handle that with like a fade or something? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 The, 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 the kids were, the kids were given armor and crossbows essentially and yeah. shoved forward and basically told like, go, go get them. Yeah. And I, I think and in, you guys ended up rescuing the kids yeah. and it was great. Yeah. But um, like to to open a scene with the impaling of a child is is not never, it, it, it never. Is, but but you knew yeah. that was off the table oh yeah yeah instantaneously yeah, yeah, yeah. um and and sometimes that's reading your table but you can't read the table until you present something to them exactly and it's better like i know we all live in the spoiler culture mm-hmm. where it's like oh don't tell me anything i don't want anything spoiled but like it's better to tip your hand a little bit mm-hmm. and get consent beforehand yeah. than to just drop something on them and have somebody X card your entire scene yeah. 
and then walk away and be like, I can't believe you would do that. Like, and, and, or, or just be unprepared for somebody to say, can you please dial it back? And you're like, I can't because this is part of the story. The, the important thing to remember about the impact of violence in stories is that the impact of violence is trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is what you get from violence. You get trauma. Now, role-playing games are largely here to experience things safely in a storytelling um, environment that we can't experience safely in real life. I am not going to go out and start, you know, chopping away at, I don't know, we really don't have monsters in real life or anything like that, but, like, I'm not going to grab a sword and go on a killing spree in real life, you no. know? But I can experience the excitement of that. I can experience a story where I can do that at the table with some dice and mm-hmm. some friends. Yeah. Um. But you can't forget that you are experiencing it a little bit. It's very filtered through the through the the aspect of storytelling, but you are experiencing it. And the impact of violence is trauma. And so, technically. The more violent you make your games, the more you are legitimately traumatizing your players. Correct. And just a little. Just a tiny little bit. You're you're giving them that, that fear response, that fight or flight response. You're making them feel the feel the thrill of the danger behind it and such like that. Mm-hmm. Um and and I mean I'm not saying you're harming your players. Mm-hmm. But that is the outcome, and you need to understand that, and that outcome will be proportional to how much you put it in there and how much buy-in your players have to agree to it and accept it and process it. And, and be able to manage it. It is uh, – one of the things that I, I – I, I think it was on a TED Talk that I watched was the fact that the difference between role-playing and realism is almost nothing. And the reason being is because when we sit down at a table versus walking around in reality, we are building the same neurons. Mm -hmm. Like there's no difference in the experience set that we're doing except for the fact that instead of visually through my cortex and through my, you know, and through my ear hearing the exact event as it is occurring before me, I am literally creatively building those images from a series of events that have happened in my life because I need to imagine what I'm experiencing. Yeah. I'm an active participant in the creation of this memory. If I'm not prepared for what I'm about to witness Mm -hmm. or feel, there is no difference in the trauma or in how it's going to connect with my personal past or events that have occurred in my existence. Yes. Yes. There is 100%. no doubt you will experience trauma. And that's that's the one of the things that you really have to get across in your mind as a storyteller is is that no matter what you're writing, mm-hmm. you have the chance to create triggers and trauma. And specifically with gritty violent acts, you are doubly were you should be doubly concerned about putting those into something without having consent. Mm-hmm. It is it is more dangerous in most cases because it is something that many people are involved with. I can remember a number of stories that I read about um, veterans coming back and being unable to play games like D and D. Yeah, yeah, because I can a, absolutely imagine. because a storyteller talked about a, someone getting stabbed by a rogue, and they were like, "No, I'm I'm sorry, guys, I gotta go." Mm-hmm. And they were like, "What's the problem?" And he's just like, "I, I can't handle that." Yeah, 
I, I, I know what that's like. I know the like sound. In like in real life. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're like, sorry, I'm done. You know, and mm-hmm. it's, that's a thing you have to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you're going to add, you, you've, you've, you've talked to your group. You've got consent to run a darker, grittier, sure. more violent group, things like that. So let's mm-hmm. assume you do have the buy-in from your players. How do you go about adding the gritty feel to your game? Like, where where is the tone? What what are what are we looking for in how we're going to portray the story to make it feel gritty? So, my uh, my first lean-in is that we're talking about a little bit more realism. Now, realism is a hard thing to kind of imagine because it's a very widespread. Right. Like, so it's, what it's are we talking about with realism? And we're verisimilitude is correct. really what we're talking about, and where the, it feels real within the scope of the reality that you've, that you've set forth. Correct. And I think the first thing that you really that the easiest way, and I, I say the easiest way because, but it's not based on the system, because if your system doesn't allow for it, it gives kind of thing is that peril needs to be the norm. People mm-hmm. are fragile. Those are the one of the easiest ways you can bring something close to reality is remove the heroic I can handle anything. Yep. If that fear is there that it can that the one thing that you didn't think could be taken away from you can be now now we have a problem. Yeah, like to see this is one of the big reasons why like um I like Savage Worlds a lot better than Dungeons and Dragons as far as um uh, how combat feels mm-hmm. to me. So I think we've we've all we've all seen this happen at a D and D table where someone does the math mm-hmm. and they go, "Oh, that gob it's just a goblin with a spear. I'm a you know eleventh level fighter. All he can do is you know a D four plus probably two damage or something like that to me, and I have ninety eight hit points. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he going to do to me? Mm-hmm. He physically can't kill me in under a minute. Right." So I'm just going to stand here and take it. Yeah. Now, you take that in Savage Worlds, mm-hmm. and that little goblin rolls his fighting skill, aces a couple times, rolls a 37 on damage, mm-hmm. and you take four wounds. You can't soak them. You're dead. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't care if you're a legendary, you know, advanced character or not. Mm-hmm. You have the same four wounds as everybody else yeah and the power curve is flattened as such that you're like you can't out level danger one of the things that i i did read that i thought was a great uh modification for D um to make crit feel real was uh enemy criticals mm-hmm. if an enemy crits on you you lose a point of constitution your con goes down by one because you've taken a critical wound to your body. Oh my! I don't. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that off the top of my head. But 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 it was hey. the idea was where you decide how that you know the, the, the you, however it hits you. Mm-hmm. That thing got so even a goblin with just a wooden stick. Yeah, could crit on you and cause severe damage to your body enough that it left a scar. Yeah. A, a wound to your constitution. And I'm sorry, if you ain't got a lot of con, I mean, even some of the finest players, what do you do? Take 20 crits? You're out of the game. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? But 
you start thinking about combat in a very different way in D and D. The moment like, you realize do we that, want to risk doing this because mm-hmm. there's a one in five chance that I don't walk out of this a whole person. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a very simple change that you're like, what? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. in most cases, if you crit on something, there's a good chance it's probably dead. Yeah. But why isn't it the other way around? And the answer is, it can be. Well, because there's an assumption that you're the heroes, but if you're playing a gritty game, you're just as squishy as everybody else, and those rules should apply to you as well. So th- that bodily harm is a thing. Yeah. Like, whether it's in the mechanics or it's something you apply to the mechanics like this, mm-hmm. it is definitely something where it's like, yeah, you're worried about travel. Like, yeah, maybe you won't take the mountainside rough terrain up because if you slip on the hill – you're not just taking some hit points. You've got a broken leg. You're now moving at half speed. You're, yeah. you're now a risk. And especially if you're, you know, if you're, if you're playing a, a, a gritty game, you know, healing may not be right around the corner. Um, exactly. You know, a broken leg may put your character out of commission for a month. Yeah. Of bed rest yep. while you heal. Yep. And that's if you can make it back to shelter and don't die of exposure out in the, you know, exactly out in the wilds. It starts turning into bare grills, you well, know. Well, I mean, and that brings up resources. Yeah. Having consumed resources. Now that Food, backpack water, full of gear that is listed on your character sheet, if you stick to that gear list mm-hmm. and you check those boxes off and suddenly it's, you know, day seven of your journey and you're out of food, you're in the winter wild, there's no animals about, your survival skill is not getting you through, do you start taking points of exhaustion? And then eventually start taking damage. Yes, you do. Again, that's that's that thing that keeps ticking down. Um, and you know, like I said, you know, it, with the crit modifier, suddenly a goblin is super dangerous. Yeah. You know, you, you're out there hungry, fatigued, so you're at disadvantage. And suddenly, out of a cave, you see a cave. You're like, oh, let's go there. Like we can get some shelter. You go in, and there's seven goblins. Mm-hmm. Two of them are guards with armor, and you're like, they're fed and armored. We're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's that's the whole thing. So, I, it it's... It can be exciting, but yes. it can also be very draining. Yes. To and, be constantly on guard right, for everything all right. the time. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And that's... I think that's where games like Dread do a good job of giving you a splash of it. Yeah. Your yeah. role is where the concern is. The rest of us just telling a story, and then we're going to... Have you pull a block and you're suddenly, <gasps> and your heart rate goes back up. Now it's not every combat. Yeah. Or yeah. every encounter. It's just when it's, when it's necessary. Exactly. So I think that's also part of that grit is knowing what, at what layer your players consent to it and how much you're going to apply it, what level of force you're going to apply to that. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's definitely a level of like grit where it turns from, um, from from gritty and realistic where we have to worry about constant peril to like survival realism simulator a, a crunchy super super <laughs> crunchy like uh, uh you you and you and some friends were playing that game scum mm. and it's like you, yeah. you can't eat the same type of food or you like cuz you don't have to have the right nutrients in right. your body and that means your stamina won't regenerate yeah it's all kinds of itty itty Keep your bit. salt levels and your sugar levels even on yeah. this handy graph and you're like I'm like this is exhausting yeah it's 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 yeah, it's it's suddenly charts yeah. and 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 flow and it's ah, 
Yeah, yeah, it's too much. It's yeah, too much. Way too so much. let's let's step into violence. I don't know why that's yeah. Let's, let's step get, into violence. That's tiring. Let's get into the violence. So when we're talking about violence, we're not just talking about adding gore. Like grind Any, grindhouse. Can anybody yeah. can do grindhouse gore. Like, and in some cases, if you just add gore to something, all you're doing is making it comical at a certain point. Like, literally, you step in and just splash blood against the wall, it and people just start off in a big gout of blood. You know, yeah, you, know. you get the Kurosawa film effect. Yeah, you know? or everybody just starts laughing because it's like spurt, 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 and it's just filling the room with blood, and you're like, oh god, this you gotta, is dumb. You got to go with the high pressure, uh, high pressure power washer nozzle of, uh, of 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 blood from the Kurosawa films. Man, that's my exactly, favorite. exactly. So. You already have the violence. It's already out there. Everyone's got that. What is it when we're talking about violence or or a violent act being something that is meaningful to the story? Um. So for for me, like the big thing that I think of, like acts of violence, um, used tastefully in a story mm-hmm. is we we've we've started using this term a lot. So mm-hmm. I want to I want to just define it one more time in case you know, people have missed it, is we're talking about a hard move. Right. Um, and a hard move is basically when uh, the storyteller says, this thing happens, mm-hmm. period. There is no player agency that fits into it. There's no, um, there's nothing that could have been done by the players to avoid it. It is something they are doing, they're inserting into the story to change the events that are before you. Usually it spurs the heroes into action. Yeah. Um, or, or fundamentally changes the battlefield that they're on. Yeah. That that will that will make them make their decisions differently from what they were. The opening of uh, of Skyrim when the dragon lands and just starts lighting everything on fire. Yeah. Is a hard move. You're not going to fight move. that dragon. Yeah. If if you're the storyteller telling the opening of Skyrim, you're like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, uh, you know, so this happens, that happens. What do you guys want to do? Well, I'm going to tell the executioner to you know get stuffed. Like, okay, cool. Then a dragon lands. Yeah. Hard move. Yeah. There's nothing you can do to change the fact that dragon's there. Right, right. And it's here now. Deal with it. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's it, it, the other thing is, is you've got hard moves where, like, you know, the bomb goes off, and then the bomb goes off. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, you're you're all witnessing something, and you're expecting, like, oh, the police are gonna, you know, handle the situation, and then suddenly the bomb goes off, and you watch the lower windows of the, you know, of the first third of the building blow out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh God. Did that just happen? There's like, there's a really great hard move, a, 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 a great use of violence as a hard move in um, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist that Sean okay. was running for us for a while. Yeah, I think you were. We talked about this. A um, and uh, I, I I apologize. This is going to be a brief spoiler. So just like put your fingers in your ears for the next fifteen seconds and say la la la. Starting now, there's a scene where. Um, the uh, somebody sets off basically a fireball in the middle of a crowded street, mm. um, in order to I believe cover for something as they're as they're stealing it, uh, and that's kind of what your characters are left with is just like oh by the way a bunch of broken bleeding bodies right outside your front door bomb just went off yeah have fun what do yeah. you do yeah like oh my god you know I mean you want to talk about tonal shift yep it was great yeah. And it's things like that where the hard move may not affect the characters directly, mm-hmm. but psychologically it changes the scene, it changes the theme. I mean, uh, another great uh, one that you had mentioned here, which I didn't even think about, but is true, is that storms are violent. Yeah. Like, you can't stop a storm coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the, one of the best parts of, um, 
some movies that I've seen is when a storm hits in a movie, whether it's a dust storm, whether it's an electrical storm, whether it's a, you're on the seas and a storm approaches, you know, those types of things are a, are so monumental that they are a hard move within themselves, but they set the tone of the scene. This, oh, yeah. this horrific moment that's about to hit. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that's an impending. It's, it creates that stress. I mean, mm -hmm. you're just talking about it. You're building the tension that eventually is going to happen. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Twister was a great movie for that. Is that you could see that something terrible was about to come, and the thing about Twister was you may not have seen you at a distance. You're watching this violent act occur, mm -hmm. you know, miles and miles away while they're monitoring it and doing their thing. But then they drive through the aftermath. Yeah, they drive through the town and you see the people trying to pick up the pieces and mourning the lost. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, again, that's where those hard moves can make a huge difference and violence suddenly becomes an important part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. So. That said. Yeah. It totally can be just adding gore. It, it totally can be just adding gore. Um, so the, the, the question then, you know, is it, is it going to be graphic? And why is it going to be graphic? Is that is, important for it to be graphic? And 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 maybe the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, are you running a horror game? Yeah. Are you trying to ramp up terror? Um, absolutely. Like you know, it, putting a point on how viscerally um, abhorrent these acts of violence are. Mm -hmm. uh, is can can be part of that like like i said you you traumatize your players just a little bit and when it's consensual it can be exciting but when it's not it's just traumatic you know yeah. if uh, you've got that buy-in from your players by all means you know let your descriptive you know chops let them go you know and i presented a traumatic scene uh within my D D game I had presented a character to you who was basically a doppelganger of your character who was then found dead clearly murdered yeah yeah you know without question left for dead mm -hmm. and then you spoke with her to find out what happened and it was clear the events that occur i didn't describe the events mm -hmm. but it was her explaining what had happened and i didn't i didn't have to make it gory you saw the aftermath and a description from the undead speaking to you about it yes and it was enough. I watched the table go dead silent, mm -hmm. listening, and and coming through with all of in their own mind's eye what all transpired to make these events. And it presented who that person was to you. Oh yeah, who that villain was, and made it very real what he was capable of. Someone I I had met for I think all of ten minutes, if that, yeah, essentially uh, went instantly to the top of my hit list. Yep. In fact, you actually did not meet him. Oh, that's right. He was not there. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I just have a name. You just have a name. I just have a name and a quest. Yep. And a, a quest of vengeance. Yep. Yep. And, and, but that's the thing is it's moments like that where it wasn't even a hard movie. It was a discovery. Yeah. It yeah. was just a scene in a discovery, but it was gory. I left you guys with a, 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 a horrific aftermath, but again, gory, violent. Mm-hmm. And it was necessary to show what that person was capable of. And the tragedy of, of the event, too. Right. You know, to really drive it home. If you're just like, oh, she's dead. Yeah. It would have been one thing, but you're, but you told me how she was dead. Yeah. And what must have happened to her. Right. And I was, I mean, that was, yeah, it, 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 it made me feel 
insulted for her. Yes. You know? Yeah. Of like, how could, how could that have happened to her? Like, it would have been one thing if he just killed her, but like, right. You know, there was, there was a certain brutality to it mm-hmm. that, 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 that made me mad. Yeah. That that such a thing would happen and the injustice of it. Um, when we're talking about terror uh-huh. is another piece that can be put in there that I consider terror to be a step of gore. Um, Alien does a good job of adding terror and gore hand in hand when you, when you see, especially aftermaths or during, um, mm-hmm. one of my, uh, one of the, the, the things that I always envision is players running having to evacuate and getting covered by other, you know, people trying to take care of the aliens and having those aliens have no regard for who those people are to continue moving down corridors. Oh yeah. You know, just just eviscerating things, tearing people, throwing them around, piercing their bodies and and that's the thing is that you're creating this image that whatever is happening to these creatures is meaningless. Mm-hmm. There's always another and they're just going to keep coming. Yeah. And it's things like that or, or the visions that we have from um, other games where you have this surge of creatures that are coming over. And, yeah, they're all getting shot up, but they don't stop. Mm-hmm. And that creates another level of terror that even though this, this unbrying gore is going on, it's 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 adding to a, a different level of heat, if you will, to the meal. You it know. creates a power disparity is what it is. It's, yeah. it's that you are fearing for your life. Clearly, they are not fearing for their life. Mm-hmm. And that has created a power disparity between you. Yeah. Because you are you are you are having to reserve things for defense. Mm-hmm. They have no defense. Therefore, they're all offense. And that's very frightening that you can't. You can't shock them. You can't make them stop. You can't make them see the error of their ways. You know? Uh, and that, that, that I think is the terror of that situation. And that's, and that's excellent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's, that's where, I mean, there's, uh, especially with gore, is that it goes back into grit a little bit because now you have those mechanics that are coming out from it, mm-hmm. um, where Traveler has requirements for surgery. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You've absolutely. got, uh, you've got all of these, uh, tra- trauma actually in the mechanics. So this is where your violent descriptions start bending into what the game mechanics ask for, mm-hmm. and you can use those things pairing, you know, uh, hand in hand. I would say is to to define where we're talking about with violence is that. You may not have to explain the violence or the gore nearly as much if the mechanics are there to help you with it, mm-hmm. because now the players have a physical uh, have a physical system to follow as well, and and have enough of a description so you can tone things back in your descriptions and let the mechanics help carry it through if the players are uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and still have the tension. And the concern, because the mechanics are there to show it. Oh, sure, absolutely. Everybody's everybody's pulse quickens a little bit when you're making death saving throws. Exactly, exactly. You know, when you're so. making that when you're making that vigor check to see if you uh, see see if, see if you die or if you stabilize. Exactly. Yep. So, but there are settings that uh, themes and settings. I'll use that term uh, kind of in a way where it feels violent naturally. Mm-hmm. It's it's part of where you're where you're putting yourself. War is a perfect fr- reference point for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, again, you, you can't, the, 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 the outcome of violence is trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the great things. I say great things. 
that's that sounds really bad of me. Um, but like that's well-defined things. One of the <laughs> narratively interesting things about wartime settings mm-hmm. is that you've got an entire generation of people then who share all that trauma in that setting, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it it informs everything about how they act yeah. and such like that and it's it's palpable it's ever present it's knitted into the very fabric of the of, of the backdrop of the story mm-hmm. um and so you can you can play off of that a lot and in a lot of subtle ways it changes how everyone acts how everyone reacts mm-hmm. what people want mm-hmm. what people are willing to accept yeah um, you know, so it, it can, it, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting narrative tool for shifting just about everything, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And in like when you're talking about even in war or, or moving into war, that's a hard move sometimes mm-hmm. to get that violence. Um, oh, sure. The most recent, uh, um, show, uh, Wheel of Time yeah. has that initial Trolloc attack, which is violent. Oh, yeah. Horrifically violent. Mm-hmm. But it is needed to show what the state of the world is becoming on and, the, on and the what cusp the of things. Are. Yeah. And what the stakes are because you've got these Trollocs that are just killing indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. Like, you find out later that they're – that they're you know, well, not much later, literally the end of the first episode. So I'm not right. spoiling anything here. Right. But, you know, you find out that they're looking for basically four or five people out of that entire village. Mm-hmm. Screw it. We're just going to kill everybody. Yep. We'll, get, we'll get them eventually. Yep. You know? Yep. That's the stakes Yeah. right there. And they will kill anybody who gets in their way. Yeah. To those four or five people. So, yeah. you know, uh, you've got that. Um, I, I think one of the, one of the better, um, like hard moves, uh, for especially wartime, uh, was, uh, the Critical Role's second campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, about 12 episodes into the campaign or so. Yeah. A war touches off mm-hmm. between, uh, the, uh, between Zorhas and the Dwindalian Empire. Okay. And, uh, the heroes are just, in a city at the time named Zadash and they're just like at a festival in the, in the, in the empire and just having a great time. And then like one of the towers explodes and they're like, what is going on? Of course, like, you know, the, the alarms start going off and guards start getting mobilized. And like the very next day they're like, yeah, we're going to war. That was a bunch of foreign agents that, uh, that like blew up the tower and stole something valuable and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And yeah, they're all going to war with, with Zorhas now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it shifts everything. Mm-hmm. It goes from, we're having fun at a festival to like, you can't find healing potions anymore. They've all been going to the war effort, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So we've talked about the hard moves. We've talked about trauma where you, you have the, the, the natural feelings that, that when violence comes in, often violence pushes that fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have a lot more people fleeing. You have a lot more uh, acts going around you. It, it also sets a tone when your enemies see the same level of violence and they leave. Like they recognize the violence or are acknowledging the violence. Uh, you acknowledge violence in our game with my character. Mm-hmm. The character causing violence. Yeah, sure. And – it again framed everything very differently and and put me on the defensive of like my character's a healer. Yeah, your character also broke somebody's fingers to get information out of them. I did. I totally did. And then when did. that dude turned up at a uh, turned up at a at, at a tavern, staring, having a beer with you a month mm-hmm. later. Yeah, he had some questions. Yeah, about your moral bent. Yeah, yeah, 
and about what I was willing to accept and what I wasn't. Exactly. So I, I think that, but I think it also allows players to share it, share mm-hmm. in that trauma. Yeah, and, yeah, it's called trauma bonding. Yeah, and I, 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 I it, I've definitely seen it in games. It's, it's a, it's a real life thing. Sharing a traumatic event often bonds survivors together. Yeah. Um, and, uh, say it's, it's a real life thing, but it's also like a great plot hook. Um, that's good for like your, you know, instead of you all meet in a tavern sort of thing. Um, it's a really great way to do things like okay, uh beginning of the game a super traumatic event happens and the butcher the baker and the candlestick maker all kind of get caught in the blast wave of that what are y'all gonna do right and since you you may not have known each other a minute ago mm-hmm. but you all shared this traumatic experience and you all don't want that ever to happen to you or anyone else ever again right and now suddenly your band of adventurers goes let's let's put our heads together and stop that hi i'm a, i'm i'm the butcher i'm the baker i'm the candlestick maker you know exactly exactly and that's how heroes are born. So I'm debating on whether or not we should go into our final thoughts or do the questions. Uh, let's go into the questions, I think. Because I think we'll we'll get a few things out of this, but I I, I have some thoughts at the end. I, yeah, we're we're already wrap. running a little a little long here, so let's, let's get the questions through. Sure. All right. Uh, so uh, Tim Saucer uh, asks: Suppose you have never run a gritty campaign and you want to give it a try. How do you go about conveying this to your group and then setting the tone during your sessions? Specifically, what techniques do you use to prevent it from diverging into non-serious humor? Well, I I think setting having the setting feel the right level of grit that your mechanics follow said grit um, that you're getting into. For instance, if you want it to feel challenging. If you want the world to feel challenging, in Session Zero, when you're talking with your players, let them know that their equipment is important. It's going to have ramifications on their abilities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that 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 that's part of the story is is that hey, you know, you're you have these things other people may not. You know, um, another thing is that if the game talks about its level of of hit points and damage and things like Suede kind of does, where it's fun, fast, and you know, furious. Um, is that you might say, like you did with us, was that this is going to change to a very dangerous situation mm-hmm. where your roles have a very good chance of, of doing a lot of damage, but also so does the enemies. So you're going to ha- take risks. Um, and that setting that stage at a level where you're not necessarily talking about dark aspects, you're just talking about the mechanics of how things are going to flow, and then through Session Zero in your descriptions – Defining that how the world is reflecting those rules in, in the same way, you know, whether it be it's a war zone and there's limited things or it's the frontier and there's limited things, mm-hmm. you know, those mm-hmm. types of events, you know, like you're in space. There, there isn't just a shop around the corner, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, you've got to scrounge for resources on a regular basis to try and get what you need. That can sometimes change that feeling and that grit and it doesn't mean that there can't be a sense of humor at times, but now you're not dealing with that same level of – you're creating the stress to start with, and the trauma starts coming even beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have two thoughts on this. Um, the the first, uh, you know, diverging into non-serious humor, um, I, I think – I don't think it's as big of a problem as you think it is. I don't um, think it will be because there. First off, there's such a thing as gallows humor, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, you know, it's it's a uh, it is a valid trauma response to laugh at the thing that is threatening you. 
Well, we um, saw it in Aliens, definitely. The movie, or Alien, where they kind of go into combat like a bunch of Marines do. We're just going to go solve the problem. Oh, that's that's Aliens. Well, yeah, that, that's that's naivety. That's them not, not understanding what, the, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about like – um, you know, you see, uh, you know, a dead body that's mm-hmm. like maybe strung up in some weird and interesting way, but like, uh, the, the poison that killed him from the giant spider that devoured him, uh, made his face look funny, basically. Yeah. And you might laugh at that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's making a funny face because what else are you going to do? This is horrific. Yeah. But there's a part of your sanity that will grab onto that and go like, Okay, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Uh, here, look at his funny face. Yeah, isn't that isn't that isn't that better than than crying and screaming? Right. Here, laugh. You know yeah, exactly. Right. Um. But also, like, I I think uh, your to, to your first part of your question, um, how do you go about conveying this to your group? Uh, I like to do what I call throwing a warning shot. Yeah. And that is, um, if you want your PCs to understand that something is possible to happen to them, do it to an NPC first. Yep. And show them. Yes. Um, if you want to show them that it is possible you will get eaten by a giant spider in this forest, show them an NPC that is strung up in a web and mm-hmm. utterly, you know, masticated by a uh, – or in, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking uh, Desiccated? The, desiccated. Thank you. Uh, you know, all the insides sucked out of them. Yep. There you go. Yep. Now they go, oh, crap, that could be us. Yeah. Yeah. Message sent. Yeah, yeah. There are owl bears in this forest. How do you know? There are pellets of he- of bodies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. So. Right. Uh, yeah. Do 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 it to an NPC first, and they will get the point. Okay. Um, Charles from our that we we actually had our interview with last week. Thank you again. Who assisted uh, us with our uh, stars without number? Yes. Uh, has some questions. Yeah. Is body horror an important topic in pre-campaign discussion? Absolutely. 100% without question. Absolutely. Without question. Uh, I think that any kind of parasitic infection or losing of limbs or growing of a second head should definitely 100% be discussed. Um, I personally have an issue with uh, body uh, transformation. I have terrible nightmares about things growing, like crystals growing out of my body. Ooh. And I can think about it very clearly. Oh, God. Um, I, f- I feel bad about the, about the gibbering mouth or now is it wasn't nearly as bad because i could distance myself from that having a thousand mouths or a thousand eyes no big deal but if you tell me that my hand is literally growing a million warts i will get up and walk away from your table Oof. so okay. uh duly noted thank there you, you. Go. i did not know that See, before th- now th- these are the things you discuss because sometimes you don't know to ask it but yeah. i think that's a great is body horror thing is a great question to ask yeah, yeah. Uh, is it good to incentivize torture in game as a mechanical advantage for player characters always getting them the truth god no god no god uh, no in fact, it's it's pretty well proven that torture um, doesn't it, it doesn't doesn't actually get you the truth. Torture gets you any answer to stop the torture. Correct, correct. Uh, you, even if it's a confession confession of guilt uh, it, uh, that is completely false and made up. If you if I think that you want to hear I, I did it, I did the crime. Yep. And that's going to make you stop doing the thing that you're doing, then mm-hmm. I, I will say that. Yep, yep. And the farther you get into torture, it is a proven fact that the person will side with you regardless of what you're saying versus themselves because at that point, it's their body that's failing. Yeah. Not their mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, does this frequent uh, – does frequent player character death regardless of system discourage deep player character RP? 
It does. It definitely it does. does. That's as a finality. One of the reasons why uh, I, I think collectively as storytellers, you and I have oftentimes said things like, you know, death, death is the end of the story and, you know, offer alternatives to death. And I know that's not a, like, I, I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. I feel like there's a lot of storytellers out there who um, feel like why, why bother rolling the dice? Why bother putting your characters in danger if you're not going to follow through on the danger? Mm-hmm. You know? And I understand that story, but I think – I understand that, that, that feeling, that impulse, but I think there's there's a happy medium to be met between – Kill them all, life is cheap, mm-hmm. and never, ever, 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 ever kill a PC. Yeah, there's there, a line in there. There's definitely a happy medium to be met there, and if you're killing a PC off every game, you could maybe tone it back a little bit. Yeah, and the other thing is, when we talk about character death, it's a finality of that character. It doesn't mean that you have to kill them. There's all kinds of ways to handle that. Sure. You know, uh, ridiculous number of ways uh, to handle that. And and I handle it very differently in 7C because Mm -hmm. I make always a rule that villains are the only things that can kill people, you know, uh, kill PCs. So it's it's that they may be severely injured. There may be another thing. They may have, you know, complications. There may be all kinds of layers that go on top of it. Sure. So. And and keeping in mind, of course, that line moves with the story you're telling. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just got done talking about running gritty games where death is always on the, on the table. Guess what? Death is always on the table. Yeah. You know, you may not you may not want to kill your PCs all the time, but you certainly want to give them consequences to remind them that mortality is a factor in play here. Yep. Um, whereas something like 7C is not gritty. It's no. not even dark. It's kind of light and heroic and hopeful. It's swashbuckly. Right, but when death does happen, whew. It's very impactful very. because it's such a rare and meaningful occurrence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of want to jump to Hulavu's before answering the last one that's in that chain. Okay, sure. Um, Hulavu asks, in settings uh, that do not have gritty realism mechanics, how do you go about adding your own and keeping them balanced? First off, that last word right there, balanced, is stop it. (laughs) Just stop trying to balance things and you'll feel much better about everything you're doing. But how do you add it and still keep the mechanics going? So... There are lots of ways to add mechanical gritty realism that other games already have that are not part of their core mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, Alien uh, has uh, the the stress dice. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, the uh, what was the other one that I had uh, that I had referenced that was perfect? Call of Cthulhu has uh, sanity. Yes, has sanity. Uh-huh. Um, there was another one that we had recently that had another stressor in it. I might have been Cyberpunk has another one that's in it. Um, that, that involves uh, a stress. Um, but again, a lot of game systems have it as an add-on. Um, and like I said, there's nothing to say that you can't grab something that someone homebrews, like I did, like I looked up with 5th edition, where critical hits do a tick off of, a permanent tick off of your constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, now granted, at another level, you could just raise your constitution and kind of subvert that, but that's a cost. So there's a, to, to decide what you're going to do with your gritty realism mechanics and add it into the game, you have to really think about what's the weight and cost to your players on a, on a, on their interval. For instance, if your gritty realism is survival and you decide to make their packs be what they have, like their equipment list is what they have mm-hmm. and spell components are what they have, it's going to be a very crunchy game where they're making a lot of decisions all of the time. 
where you're going to have that, that that becomes now a survival mechanic game. And that may not be the direction you want to take. So you kind of have to decide what grit level of gritty realism you want to add in and and have it be something that feels that it fits the theme. Yeah, for I think this is this is a bigger question than we have time to answer simply because uh it's the, the the answer for this one, at least for me, is going to be different depending on which system we're talking about. Sure, and there's countless systems without number ah. um, out there, and uh, so I mean, how do you go about adding them to I don't know which game system to D and D to you know White Wolf to mm-hmm. to what are, what are we talking about? You know, um, what degree of gritty are are we talking about? Um, and I I agree, balance is a crutch. Don't yeah. make them balanced like it's it's not a game i mean it's a game well, but like i'm just gonna say this you're going to realism balance is not real yeah there's no balance yes yes verisimilitude does not require balance because correct. life is not balanced correct not every challenge you meet in life is fair yes and sometimes that is man versus environment yeah sometimes that's, sometimes it just kicks your ass sometimes the theme is just you're gonna get your ass kicked a lot um, you know, and and you need to recalculate. Yep, because this is not a fight you can win. Correct. Uh, but I I think at least my my initial impulse here is to say if the game system that you are using mm-hmm. does not fit the tone and does not have the rules for adjudicating the things that you want, my initial impulse is find another system. Yeah, there are. Systems without number out there. <laughs> there, true. you can find a system I think that better fits the feel and tone and pace Just ask. of your game. Somebody's yeah. already ran it. Somebody's yeah. already feel felt it. Someone's already complained about it. Yeah, like this game just feels too real. Go on. <laughs> you know? like, I consider myself pretty well versed in, in in dozens of different you know role playing systems. I mean, I mean we've, we've made it. We've made a show out of it. This is episode one forty six. Uh, but I, I dipped into a thread on, uh, Reddit the other day, uh, in the RPG subreddit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what's your, what's, what's the, the, the game you love to hate or something mm-hmm. like that? And in just the first 10 comments, I heard 12 different systems I'd never heard of before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we, we've hit a lot of the major ones, but like, but, my and God, I love, like, I love when like someone lists a system and there's like 13 comics. Of, oh yeah, I haven't played that in so long and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, so long? So long? How long? What is this? How who, are 40 people talking this? about what, yeah. this? Yeah. So, and then we just go digging. I've been playing role playing games for 25 years. How have I never heard of this? Yeah. But there's that many systems out there. That's why. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, I know, and, and, and of course, I, I realize that not every game group is going to be like, yeah, let's just jump to a new system. Let's learn a whole new thing, even though I just spent $100 on D&D books, you know. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel obligated to do the sunk cost fallacy to use those D&D books that you, that you did, so now we're going to homebrew D&D to turn into gritty realism, you right. know. I get that, but... Like I said, my initial impulse is try to find something that does fit it rather than yeah. homebrewing a bunch of stuff to fundamentally change the foundation of a game system that was never meant to tell that type of story. Exactly. All right. You want to grab Overwatches? Yeah. Uh, so Overwatch asks, uh, Gritty and Violent can be a wide spectrum. Anything from film noir uh, into the grim, dark future, there is only death. <laughs> How do you recommend finding the sweet spot to suit your particular campaign, system, and table? Hmm. 
I mean, I don't know. What's it's, what's it, your campaign system and table? It feels like every table is going to be different, and a lot of that is going to be communication. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is going to be knowing your players. Mm-hmm. Um, a so, lot of that is yeah, between knowing your players initially and just knowing what they're what they're going to like and not like. Yeah, and communicating with your players that this is my intended tone and feel. Mm-hmm. How I'd, do you guys I would, feel about that? Yeah, and I would be prepared to have to be able to shift all of that. Yeah. Like, I, I often question my players, if I've got an idea for a story, I will throw a quiz at them and be like, hey, this is the kind of feel, is this the type of story, and this level of realism, and this level of stuff, does that fit with what you guys would think? And are you interested in playing this? And at that point, you can start either catering players to play the game that you want to run, or... You can find out what your table would like to play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the real key there, is that if you think you're going to add grit to something, that's something to say. But if you have a vague idea of a story that you want to run and a kind of theme and feel that you want to go for, are you catering it to the players or are you going to find players who want to play that game? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the two feelings of any storyteller. Yeah, are you telling a story for them, or are you telling a story for you? Well, or are you finding people you want to tell that story with? Well, oh, no, no, I mean, that, that's that's yeah. fine. It's fine to tell a story for you. If that's the story yeah. you want to tell, like, you've got a good idea, you want to tell that story. Absolutely. Yeah. You just want to make sure that you have people at your table who want to hear that story. That's all. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to get into some final thoughts, so sure. we can close this up. Sure. Um, so one of the things that came up during a discussion... Um, was uh we were when we were prepping for this mm-hmm. uh was um you had said a word that triggered a line in my brain uh, from a song in fact yeah. uh, in fact it went i went immediately you said everybody knows and i don't remember what the context was at the time but i, I wrote it down really quick because i remembered the song everybody knows by concrete blonde now if you're unfamiliar with the lyrics it's not that important um but the concept that it rung in my head is like, why is this song important right now? Why did this trigger, you know, in my brain? Mm-hmm. And that is, is that in most gritty worlds, the difference in my mind frame between a gritty world that is very realistic and has violence and things like that, that, that have that level in it, is that everyone is aware of it. Mm-hmm. It is not a fantasy realm where they're living their lives normally... You know, and everything kind of keeps going until something pokes their bubble. Yeah. The goblins attack. There's a, you know, a a villain doing something terrible in town, murdering people. A necromancer's doing something, and they hear about people going missing. Mm -hmm. That level of naivety that you have in fantasy is gone. Because even the street urchins know that it's bad. And that that five gold pieces you just gave them is not the greatest thing in the world. It might buy them something, but in more cases than not, it's going to get their butt kicked. Yeah, and stolen from them. Thanks. Now I'm the rich person that that, that that's exactly. going to get shivved. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's I think the the one of the differences is that if you could take anything at least from me, is that when you want to get to a level of realism, is that when your NPCs talk to your PCs, they might not know all the details. But they know the truth of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's written in their faces and in their clothes and in their shops and in their mannerisms, whether it's exhaustion, trauma, sadness, 
um, just just they got a glimpse beyond the veil of fantasy into reality, just like the players have, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it sucks. They know everybody knows, and it's that's what hit my head. I'm like, oh god. Okay, there we go. Now now I remember how to run grit. Yep. <laughs> and I'm sad. <laughs> just, just listen to Everybody Knows by Concrete Blonde, or Leonard Leonard Cohen, I believe, did the, is, is the version I know. <laughs> Google's keelholing and instant regret. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Hulu, yes. When, when your entire crew knows what that word means. Yep. That's... That's that's the grit of being on a pirate ship versus being in a heroic pirate ship. <laughs> Knox in the box mentioned it earlier in the live chat. He says, "Storm." Where did he say? Yeah, as a kid, keel hauling sounds like a fun and silly word. In adulthood, good lord, yeah, because you know, and it's hard to not know. Yep. And I mean, that's grit. That's that's the truth of it. It's it's that it can make a story feel challenging and framed and tense instead of being a murder spree without consequence. You know, violence has an impact and should be used as an impact because you could describe the sudden and quick death of something um, in a way that has an impact on everyone. Mm-hmm. Or you can show the long, languid moments after, you know, months, years after in some cases and still feel that same energy. You know, I'm I'm always brought back to shots from uh, Indiana Jones where he finds a skull with like, you know, where a trap has pinned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh god, that could be me. This is environmental storytelling. Yeah. Yep. But that's part of violence. That's showing violence and realism. Um, and when they do work together, where you might have limited ammo or strength, or your heroes flat fragile, and the monsters are literally tearing the world apart. It's hard to ignore that they're monsters mm-hmm. at that point. You know, I I think back to when we fought the troll mm-hmm. in town. In my game, yeah. In your game. And thinking, like, we're not invincible. And then the one... I'm going to say idiot. <laughs> decides <laughs> that he's not invincible. That he is invincible because he can handle it. Yeah. And he could not. <laughs> Like, shit got real. Yeah, 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 I did. <laughs> That's gritty realism at its best. Like, you painted all of the pictures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was there, without a doubt. And I was like, I ain't, there's nothing I have in my repertoire that's going to drop this thing. But there's fire, and fire hurts everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite YouTubers said, you never grow accustomed to being set on fire. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. Uh... All right. You want to wrap this up then? I, I want to close with one other thought. Sure, sure. And it's the question that came up that I passed, and that was, how does one assess the difference between fun strain and frustrating strain in endurance-focused campaigns or arcs? And uh, we, that's the one thing we haven't really discussed is, is that is that one of the ways of grit kind of pushes endurance, the player's endurance. Sure, sure. How do you balance that? How do you, how do you, what metric do you use? So if, if I were running such a campaign, um, my big thing would be a wish and a star. Yeah. Uh, a rose and a thorn. Yep. Right at the end of every session. Tell me a thing that you liked about my session. Tell me a thing that I could have done better about your session and be honest. 
with me. Yeah. I am asking you this question so I can improve as a storyteller, so I can make my yeah. sessions better and more fun for you as a player. I'm not looking for a pat on the back like, oh, no, everything was great. Yeah. If you are exhausted at the end of my game session because you feel like the survival stuff is too grueling and it's too gritty and you're just stressed out by my game and you're not having fun, tell me this. Mm-hmm. So I can make adjustments. Yeah. And that to me, it's just how we're, how do you, how do you assess the difference? Ask. Always ask. Get, get good feedback and don't ask generalized questions of, did you like things? If your players are not answering specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think that your metrics are off, that you're pushing hard, ask, hey, this thing that I added to add gritty realism, how do you guys enjoy that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. How do you, I used X, Y, or Z mechanic here. Yeah. How did that affect you? How did you feel that played in the game? Was it good for the story? Was it bad for the story? Did it move fast enough? Do you find it tiring to have to keep these things? Do you think I could simplify mm-hmm. this in any way? Right. Or, or would you like me to keep going with this? Do you think it was not enough? Should I add more? Yep. You know? Perfect. So, all right. Uh, next week's topic, we are going to be talking about the child adventure genre. So things like uh, Stranger Things, uh, kids on uh, bikes. Uh, kids, kids on, on bikes. bikes, things like that. Um, uh, so you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. This is to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. We had a lot of great discussion there we lately. We did. It was wonderful. Um, and uh, you can find that link on our on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. Uh, some new members to our Discord. Charles joined and uh, Vanillasaur and Dieselnowski. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, if you want to join our live chats uh, during the show, uh, join our Patreon. Uh, and some of our, uh, you, even at the base level, you'll get access to that. But uh, if you'd like to join a little higher, you get to have your names listed like Knox and Sam and the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate all your help every single month. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. And a uh, big shout as always to our, fr- uh, to our families, Vicky and Sean. We love you so much. Uh, all of our friends who we have traumatized over the years uh, with our violent <laughs> acts and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you very much. Good night. Good night.